don't know how it's going to go. Camille, that's all I got. What in East Dallas is going on? I don't know. Stick around. We'll find out. Let's do that one more time. <laughs> you forgot. I know you forgot. Oh, gosh. Yes. Hayes. Edit here. Sorry, Hayes. Sorry. What the what? All right, ready? Yeah. What in East Dallas is going on? I'm Camille. And I'm Rich. Rich, as you know, we have our two-part segment of Juliet Fowler Communities. Yeah, amazing organization. Amazing. And last the first segment, we had Ann McKinley, who we talked about Juliet Fowler then and the history. Which was, by the way, it was amazing because it gave light to how much the family. Yeah. Um, the Peak family. Unbelievable. Yep. How much they were a part of our Dallas community and Fort Worth even. And Fort Worth, yeah. And, I mean, and so Dallas as a whole. It, it's absolutely phenomenal. Like every other street is named after some part <laughs> of their family, it seems like. Right. And so today we're doing our second segment with Nicole Gann, who is president and CEO of Juliet Fowler Communities. Yeah. Welcome to the show, first of all. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. No, and thank you for doing this and highlighting Juliet Fowler because I... I think it's a gem in our community. At 100%. Yeah. And if you don't know what they do for seniors, what they do for kids, you know, children or, um, I think it's 18. Is it 18 year old? Yeah. We have children, but we also have a transitional housing program for young women, 18 to 24. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, and you all seem to, before we get to what it is now, uh, you all seem to fill in gaps where like, what do you do with a kid that's been in foster mm-hmm. care or whatever when they hit 18? Yeah. Well, a lot of them don't have a place to go. You're so right. And I, I love the fact that you highlight that we fill in gaps because I really think that that's what we're trying to do. And so many people, when they think of kids outreach or ministries, they think of children. Right. And that's generally classified under the age of 18, right? Yeah. But to your point, when someone ages out of foster care, they're 18, so by the world standards, they're an adult. Sure. But the reality is, is they don't have the capacity of an adult to navigate in a world. When you think about trauma specifically, it has a way of you know, freezing you at the age you experience your trauma. So your body might be chronologically aging, but your mental capacities, your reasoning, your maturity, mm. it's much at that age when your trauma was. And so it's oftentimes a mistake for us to look at an 18 or even a 24-year-old that's lived a life of trauma and think, wow, you should be navigating the world as an adult Mm. because we're overlooking the fact that they didn't have those base skills that many of us got in homes where we were raised in a healthy environment, you know, absent trauma, and, and they really do need our help. And if we're trying to help position people to be effective members of society, let's not put an age on it. You know, let's try to meet them where they are, give them the tools that they need. And then what we call at Fowler, we launch them, you know, into society because Mm -hmm. we're we're helping them to be independent and stand on their own. But we're rebuilding some of that that they didn't get when they were children. Well, and a lot of times because they're they're in the, the program or in the system, stability is really hard to come by. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, and that'll destroy any kid. You know, and the biggest destroyer of that is the absence of your capacity to build trust. Ooh. And think about it. If you've raised children, 
or mm-hmm. you've seen children raised, you know, they're looking to their primary caretakers to know, is this safe? Yes. Right. Is this not safe? And if I feel safe, then I have the freedom to be creative. I have the freedom to explore. When that's unpresent mm-hmm. and you're constantly wondering, where's my shelter going to come from? Where's my meals going to come from? What do I need to avoid to keep from getting hit or, you know, put out into the cold or taken advantage of, you know, Mm. in these horrific stories that we hear, you don't, you don't really develop those abilities to trust. And so when these women, young women come to us at Fowler, the first thing we have to do is build that trust. Because if you don't have that trust, it doesn't matter what program you establish, it could be the best thing since sliced bread. Right. But if there's no trust, you cannot make inroads into their healing. And at Fowler, what's important to us is to be a place of healing and therefore hope. Because when you heal and you have hope, then you can do some transformational stuff. You can overcome some significant trauma and significant barriers. And that's true for our young women. It's also true for our older adults. Wow. And I mean, this is... Your name really, truly says it all, Juliet Fowler Communities, because this 18 to 24-year-old, this is just one of the many communities you you all have. Yeah. 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 Yeah, On our 20 acres, you know, we're an intergenerational campus, so we're all living there together. Um, We've got the Youth Support Center, so we have kids even younger than 18 that are coming in for day services, and they're in some of the programming, too. But I think that that's the beauty of Fowler is that we really have created a community. You know, when you talk to older adults, they think, I don't want to move somewhere because I don't want to, you know, be just with older people. I want to be in community. And there's a difference between living next door to someone who's younger and then actually living in a community where you interact and have relationships Mm -hmm. with somebody that's younger. So I would always tell people, really challenge yourself on that. Being in proximity is not the same thing as being in community with. Right. And at Fowler, we're building community. We're creating environments where people feel like they belong, where they're safe, and then as a result, they can thrive at whatever Mm. that looks like for them. You know, thriving for some people is just kicking back and letting somebody else do all the stuff, <laughs> yeah, you right. know. But thriving for other people is still having attention to the arts or still having attention to building relationships, sure. maybe finding love. I don't know. It all happens at Fowler. And that's <laughs> the beautifulness of our community, I think. You know, I, I love the fact, Camille, that they fill in these gaps, right? Because a lot of times, you know, Nicole, you have like – great programs or a great system mm-hmm. but as soon as the program ends the tra- it's the transition it's that gap period whether you're old 18 or whether or young whether you're 18 old 18, uh, yeah that's not good, old that is not old <laughs> good lord i hope not because i realize <laughs> what category i would be yeah, under i would be dead, dead yes <laughs> so no but the gaps that um or the, the, I should say the cracks that are um, the voids mm-hmm. in our in 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 between the programs or the systems, that's where people fall out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And for you guys to fill those, I think is amazing. And it doesn't matter if you're 18 and young or older, mm-hmm. you still fall through the cracks. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, and even we could even make an argument that older people have have less of an opportunity. Because they're older. Mm-hmm. They're not getting a job mm-hmm. like that. People right. push them aside, yeah, right? right? Oh, well, you know, how much more time they have or yeah. whatever. And they can thrive, really, if they are 
in the right environment. And just being a part of a community. Being a part of something. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that for a second, being a part of a community. There's a lot of studies out now about loneliness and isolation. Yes, shortens your lifespan. It does, because one of the things now that's real prominent is loneliness and isolation can be like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. We all know that cigarettes is detrimental to our health. And again, this is why I think community is so important, a meaningful community, because if you think about it, older adults, what's the main thing they want to do? They want to hold on to their independence, Sure. right? I'm going to hold on to my independence, and that becomes paramount. But you pursue that at the risk of isolation and loneliness Mm. without realizing that you are making a trade-off for this independence that potentially shortens your lifespan or makes the end of your life more difficult, maybe from chronic illness or everything is exacerbated by loneliness and isolation. Yeah, depression. An accelerator, right? And so just being able to come and connect and not fall through the gap of being isolated, right? right? Yeah. You, You talk about a very basic human um, or very basic human emotions. People want to feel valued and get value out of what they're, you know, a part yes. of, right? They yeah. want to belong. Uh, they want to be a part of something, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. I mean, it's like, and then they want to be able to connect with others like them. And this, you guys provide that in so many ways. Thank you for saying that. And I hope we do because that's, we want people to belong and thrive. Right. And we have a care philosophy that was born out of our memory care, and it's called I'm Still Here. But the philosophy at its core, and the reason why we made it a template for our whole campus, it is about creating meaning and creating purpose. This is another misnomer. It's like we think about as we grow old or as we retire that we just want to slow down. But the truth is, we always want to have purpose, and we always want to connect, right? I mean, can you imagine yourself, you know, being 75, 80 years old and just think, okay, well, I mean, that's it. I'm not going to be interested in ever learning anything else new. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be interested in ever having a debate or being challenged or, you know, being in a fiery relationship. I mean, that would be so sad and depressing. And yet, it is a stereotype that's often laid on older adults, Mm -hmm. right? Especially in the American culture. But what we see at Fowler is that's just not the truth at all. And we also have so many centurions because when you get in a community and you have all of those things that you had at every age of your life. You live longer. You live longer because you're happier. And it's like all true stuff. Yes. And you get up. You excited. have a reason to live. Yeah, you're right? excited to yes. get up. And, and I love that. What? Gosh, we we are so lucky, Camille. That they're right here in East Dallas, right here off. Of right Abrams. here, and for so many people, it's their backyard, so their parents can still be right here by mm-hmm. them. I mean, I've known people that have moved their parents to Dallas to go to Juliet Fowler because yeah. they're right here. And Perfect. That, yeah, we love to. Great? I love to hear those stories. Yeah, <laughs> please keep coming. But I mean, yeah, we but. Here's what I'll also say is when folks come to us for the first time, they're like, what the what? I did not know this was back here. Like, because they see Uh, our sign from Abrams and I'm like, people, we're from Abrams to the Santa Fe Trail to Willis Winters Park. I mean, come take a look around. There's a lot going on back here. That's why when we went there, because we 
recorded with Ann at location at Julia Fowler. Mm-hmm. And our uh, sound engineer is like, oh, my gosh, I have driven by here so many times, times and did not know all this was back here. <laughs> yep. You don't you really don't know, which is not a bad thing. It's for not you a bad guys, thing because yeah. it's 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 kind of like its own little community. Little and privacy. Oasis back yeah. There. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love it. You know, and the one thing when we did go over there, everybody was so nice. Like everybody had a Thank smile. And we that. were just, just like, yeah. I mean, hell, I'd move there. <laughs> you know, I now. hear that the most, that everybody had smiles and everybody was so friendly. And on one uh-huh. hand, you want to be like, well, duh. I mean, shouldn't <laughs> that be everyone's experience? But the reality is it's not. And I think, again, another distinguishing factor about Fowler is, and this is the best compliment that I get, is that it feels like home. Wow. Yeah. Right. You don't want someone to think they're being uprooted from mm-hmm. their home, wherever it is, yeah. and and feeling displaced. You want them to settle in. And when they come in here and they're like, wow, this really challenges what I thought sure. these types of environments are. And I really like it here. Mm. Like when my older adults travel and they're like, dang, I couldn't wait to get back home. You know, home. my kids were making me crazy, you know, and I was like, well, I'm glad you're back. But this is true for our young women. We have, you know, you can stay up to two years in our Ebby House program. That's our transitional two housing. Two years. Two years. Wow. And we launch girls all the time. And they will call us back and say, hey, do you mind if I come home for the summer? Because maybe they're going to A&M Prairie View, two-story, right? Yeah. And they were like, I don't have anywhere to go for the summer. Could I come home? Yes, you can, ma'am. Right. Or they'll call back and they'll think of Lisa Mumford, who's our director of programming there and say, gosh, I'm sorry. I was such a brat to you when I was there. And (laughs) now I get those lessons. Like if you've raised kids and they called you in their 30s, because that's my experience. They got to be about 30 to appreciate Uh, anything. Yes. You are like, that's such a happy mom moment. (laughs) But we get that, too. But people do think that it's a home and they feel like they belong. The grounds there are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, they're so pretty. And, you know, the trees, the trees, the grass, the gardens, and then you have all the the, all the different buildings. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. not like this. What you think of uh, for a senior care where it's this like brick building that looks like a box and you're stuck inside. (laughs) It is not like that at all. No, No, you have like little activity centers and little things for people to do. Absolutely. So, you know, our buildings are designed to be representative of the programs and some of those are licensed and they have requirements that are, you know, necessary from a regulatory framework. Mm -hmm. And then you've got other buildings where it's independent living and they're little communities within communities. But what we try to do is foster the movement between and the spirit of all of us collectively together and that we all have value and that includes our residents and our teammates. We all have value. We all have superpowers. Mm -hmm. And how are we collectively going to be an example of what's possible? When I talk to people in the industry, especially because we just built the peak and it's another gap filler for the middle market senior, specifically for someone that's a moderate income. Um, We say, this is what's possible. We've Mm -hmm. got people who live on our campus that were homeless and can qualify for housing. And we have people that live on our campus that are millionaires. And they all live together. That's that's just unbelievable. And you yeah. want to talk about – everyone talks about being uh, div- diversity, inclusive. Mm-hmm. Right. This is – you, you're, this is an action. You guys are literally doing it. We're living it. And in some of oh. my industry circles, it blows my peers' mind. They're like, 
how are you selling your market right? That's the term. Like, how are you selling your market right when you've got a HUD program, you know, right behind it? And I was like, how are we not? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's the mindset that you bring. To me, there's never been a distinction because you know why? I've lived in communities where there's been affluence and there's been poverty. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So Fowler really is just an extension of what we see all across the city, certainly, but really in every community I've ever lived in. So why wouldn't it be that way? Well, um, and if you get back to its again basic human principles, you're you're more alike than you are different. Yes, I mean, that's so well like, said. Yeah, yeah. I know, love it's, that. It's so true. Okay, I do have a question though, and it's I, and I don't know how you want to answer this one, but it is it's a real it's reality. Mm-hmm. What happens if you have a girl that comes in and you you start having issues? Because my mind goes to people that have been in foster care because of the trauma that they've mm-hmm. had. Mm-hmm. They have some, they could have issues. Absolutely. So how do you deal with that? You deal with it in the best way that you can. There's a lot of patience. We use a trauma-informed care model, which taught us a lot on how to react to trauma and how to create space because a lot of people that have been in trauma, they learn to rely heavily on the anger emotion, right? And anger can be Mm -hmm. physical anger. Anger, you know, can just be intimidating where, you know, it takes up a space. Not everybody is equipped to deal with that. So we had to learn a lot through our own education. We also had to learn what our limitations were. And so Lisa Mumford, as I mentioned, she's very connected in the child welfare space, knows a lot of the agencies across the city, and there's so much collaboration. And there are times we will reach the capacity of what our interventions can be. And keep in mind, our girls live in a shared living environment where they're living in the same house. They have independent bedrooms, but they're sharing a kitchen space. They're sharing a living room space, a training space, right? So the the dynamics that exist with them are very important as well. You have, whether it's trauma or maybe it's undiagnosed um, mental situations, um, sometimes that will get beyond our capacity and we have to make a referral to another agency that can provide them the best targeted care. This is another beautiful thing about Fowler is, is if someone comes to us and especially, you know, young women and we can't help them, we probably know eight to 10 people who can. And so we liquid ourselves as like care coordinators Mm -hmm. because I don't want anyone to show up and us be like, no, we can't help you. I'm sorry. That's just not what we do. And then they're just still standing there on the street. Like, what do I do? Where do I go? So we walk alongside them and get them a referral, get them to resources. Maybe we give them a bus pass. Maybe we take them to where they need to go, but we're invested in somebody as soon as they call us or walk in the gates. But you have to recognize your limitations because I will say too, that in my experience now, 11 years at Fowler with this program, with this type of um, group of young people, you can do damage too, although it be well-intended, if you try to reach beyond your capacity. Oh, oh yeah. Such okay. a good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, got, you have to have trusted partners, and you have to know what your limits are, and you have to have trusted partners so that you can make that handoff. Because, listen, our hearts go out to anyone that's hurting and in need, right? Most of our instincts are to lean in. Mm-hmm. Right. But the reality is, is we only know our lived experience. And so the way I would love on my kids or my nieces and nephews, it's not always transferable Mm -hmm. to how you would love on 
these kids, sure, mm-hmm. right? Because some of them have been taught that everything is quid pro quo, right? Right, mm-hmm. and for terrible things, um, yeah. for food, for shelter, for their bodies, yeah. right? And so you have to be cautious as well. So there, there's a lot of education and a lot of awareness that you have to take in, but it's got to start with you really creating a space where they don't feel judged and. I keep saying this, where they have to feel safe. Like mm-hmm. we have young women that will come to us that will sleep literally for four days. Wow. Because wow. they're in an environment where they don't have to worry about who's coming in to take advantage sure. of me. And so wow. they'll just sleep like the dead. Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. I, um, I remember talking to um, a lady in Fort Worth. Uh, she does something with uh, trafficking. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how a lot of the girls, they don't accept like – someone being nice or like even like a courtesy thing yeah. because even other women, because so what happens in a lot of situations, older women will yeah. recruit some sure. of the younger girls. Yeah. And so they, there's this distrust, right? There's no trust at all because before, whenever anyone was nice to me, mm-hmm. I had to give up something. Yeah. They wanted something exactly. back. Or, uh, their yeah. bodies or whatever. Exactly. Right? And so, okay, right then and there, you have a problem. Yeah. I mean, that is a huge issue. Because right? you can't get the help you need no. if you can't trust the right people. Because they're, they're going to want something in return, Exactly. Apparently. Your whole life experience has taught you not oh, to trust adults. I can't even fathom that. Mm-mm. It makes me just it, so sad. It's sad. But here's the beauty about Fowler, and this is another uh, aspect of intergenerational programming. We've got all these older adults, lived lives, had trauma themselves. Yeah. They are, we have a program called Grand Friends, where our young women at the Abbey House and our older adults get together. Amazing. It is amazing for lots of reasons. I remember one was entitled The Net, and the older adults said, that's what you use to get fish out when you catch them on the pole. <laughs> and the young kids were like, no, not really. The Net is like the internet. And it, there's a lot of these exchanges, right? <laughs> um, but what's the beauty of it, and I literally cry and Sometimes I cry talking about it because when you stand there and you watch it, you see these pathways of trust building. Mm. It, it's almost visible in the air. It's like a, a kinetic energy where you see the transfer of the energy that the older adult is giving because they're only showing up to have fun at this activity. They want nothing from this young woman. Right. And then the young woman is almost opening right before your eyes like, Wow. wow, this is what it would be like to have had a grandparent, yeah. you know, or a mom or an aunt or an uncle. or And it it's just they laugh, they cry. But those are the things that intergenerational programming over time just keeps reinforcing that trust. And for our older adults, it's giving them purpose uh, and connection. Yes. Why, yeah. why aren't there like a hundred of these? Why are there not? Oh, this is why I'm always issuing the cry or the call to action. Like, please join us and replicate what we have at Fowler. You know, when we started this podcast, we wanted to do something because nobody was filling the gap in, in our community, East mm-hmm. Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. And so we were thinking, okay, well, why isn't anyone doing this? Right, right. Camille? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we wanted to be able to highlight things that are happening in our community. What we didn't realize when we started this, how many communities like yours are within the greater East Dallas, East Dallas area yeah. that, that that's, that's, no one even knows about? Or, oh, yeah. or like they should, they don't, they don't know deep enough about what yeah, you guys are They just doing. know the surface. Yeah. They know the right. surface stuff, right? Right. But for, for you to talk about it, I, and 
oh my goodness, I'm just like kind of blown away. So you yeah. guys could uh, be hashtag Juliet. So this is what Anne and I, you know, used to say, hashtag be Juliet, because Juliet, if you think about her story, and I know Anne told you. Incredible. She has all this tragedy. It's horrific. But she just decides she's going to look out in her community and ask herself, what, what can she do to help? Yeah. As part of her own healing process, right? Mm-hmm. But in mm-hmm. essence, ends up healing others. So here we are, 131 years later, yeah. right? When I think about that as being, you know, the president, when I tell our team, listen, we're doing the same thing Juliet did. We're just yeah. looking out in the community mm-hmm. and we're saying, who needs our help? Are we capable of helping them? If so, let's go. I mean, let's legitimately go. Yeah. It's like, let's don't think of all the other big problems. Right. Let's just boil it down to what we see and what we can do. And if, right. yeah. if enough of us you know, galvanize with that mindset, what's the gap and what can we do to fill it? Unbelievable. The world would be a different place. Yeah, I mean, hey. Bo- <laughs> Start here. Bobby Kennedy said it best, right? Yeah. Don't ask what your community can do for you. Ask yeah. what you can do for your community. That I love that. Because you know, it's, it's, it's so, so true. If you want to change the world, mm-hmm. start in your home and then go yes. into your community and make a difference right there. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, let's think. Did Juliet, when she took in that first orphan from her church, think, well, dang, in 131 years, no. they're still going to be rocking this out, serving over 700 people a year, and no. I'm going to be a superstar in Dallas. Right. No, she didn't think no. that, right? But it's that ripple effect, and it started right. And now it's carried on. Yeah, and if and if you know if you haven't listened to the first segment of this, you should because she didn't even get to live to see the trees that she planted. Yes, I mean that's what's crazy. She she had the the vision, Mm -hmm. and she was making it go forward. But then she died before literally the ground broke. Right, exactly. And did when you guys were at campus, did you see the picture of Juliet and Sarah that we have there? We, we saw, yeah, we were shown a bunch of so photos, which I is always amazing. say Juliet, you know, she looks lovely, like the May Queen, like all of the things that, you know, before she had her tragedy. But Sarah, who was our first president and chartered us, she's no nonsense. Like that woman is not messing oh, yeah. around, okay? Which is good because like in the 1800s, everybody was coming for this 15 acres in Dallas. It, it was as crazy as land is today, right? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, no, sir. Thank you, but no, I'm going to fulfill my sister's dream. So right. you need to sit down. And fought, because and fought off her two siblings exactly. from, what, selling it or whatever, right? And that would have been an easy decision back then. It would have been. I can't say that I wouldn't yeah. have sold it. Because it wasn't up and going. She yeah. had to There's finish a lot out Juliet's dream and get it going. <laughs> but she did it. And you also bring up another good point. You solicit people to join your dream. Yeah. Juliet yeah. was a master at that through leaving her business plan. Sarah was a master from the business aspect as far as forming partnerships. So you think about this East Dallas community. We were talking about this earlier and the connectedness that I see. In a yeah. lot of ways, it feels like a hometown to me, which is why I love working here. Yes. Yeah. But you bring people along and then they get excited. Right. We have this huge core of volunteers. You know, Fowler doesn't just work with our employee base. You know, we have thousands of volunteers that come and contribute to us um, in all aspects of what we do. And it's just the community just grows and grows and grows. And I think that's how it's sustained, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, on that note, we're going to take a quick break, Camille. Yeah. And we're going to come back because, you know, Nicole, this your job is not easy. 
um, you know, you, you have, there's a business to run. Yes, there is. <laughs> I mean, Thank you for saying that. I mean, <laughs> Attention all. It is not easy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it, when you think about like personalities and like programs and, and all, so many things come across your, your desk mm-hmm. on a daily basis, right? Yeah. yeah. And so we're going to get into a little bit about your background and why you're so passionate about this because you clearly are and you're making a huge difference. And Thank you. We're talk about that. I look forward to it. We'll be right back. For over 130 years, Juliet Fowler Communities has given thousands of people of East Dallas a place to belong and thrive and call home. Conceived in the very early days of Dallas as a home for widows and orphans, Fowler Community remains an intergenerational residential community. For older adults, we offer independent living for many income levels, assisted living, memory care, and rehab on 20 beautiful park-like acres. Fowler Communities is proud to feature the I'm Still Here approach to memory care, the only dementia care program in Dallas with the certification. Fowler's commitment to love people and pursue excellence for people across generations, allowing them to connect with one another and have a community of support that empowers them to live their best lives. Come visit our community in East Dallas and you can learn more at our website, fowlercommunities.org. And we're back. We're back with Nicole Cam and talking about Juliet Fowler. And we've touched a little bit on some of what Juliet Fowler offers, but let's back up a little bit and talk about you and how you came to be at Juliet Fowler. Yeah, we touched upon the before why they exist, why? which I think yes. is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So impressive. So I got there like I've gotten every job in my life by connections. And I worked with the former CEO, Sabrina Porter, for 12 years at another organization like Fowler. Mm -hmm. And she called me up when she took over CEO, and she said, hey, come be my CFO. And I was like, no, (laughs) just no, hard stop, because I didn't want to be CFO anymore. You know, I was into— Where were you before? I was at an organization at the time that was called Presbyterian Communities and Services, which is actually Forefront Living now. Is it a nonprofit as well? It's a nonprofit as well. Okay. So my whole experience in this industry has been in faith-based not-for-profits. Okay, okay, which is super cool. You grew up in, in Louisiana. I grew up in Bogalusa. 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 What Bogalusa? Listen, it's about an hour and 15 minutes from New Orleans. Okay. It's on the border of Louisiana and Mississippi. The Pearl River divides it. Okay. It was a paper mill town. Okay. Yeah, just okay. good times. And then you went to college? <laughs> I came to Dallas. Uh-huh. I got a job first because okay. I really thought I needed to make a name for myself and, you know, make a career. <laughs> and this was back when? When you're 17, I graduated high school when I was 17. Okay. You just really don't know anything, but you think you know <laughs> think you everything. Did. Yeah. Yes. So I worked a few years. I worked at Ed Kellum and Son, so old Dallas oh. sites will remember that on Knox okay. Henderson uh, before it became what it is now. Crazy. I mean, the cafeteria was still there the pharmacy was still there knock street pub loved it was still there but um but then i went back to school and i went to university of texas in arlington and then got my graduate degree at ut tyler east texas yeah east texas it's the thing that reminds me the most of back home east texas Uh, i could see that yeah Yeah. you know the pineys yeah i could see that for sure Mm -hmm. and then you came back here your husband 
Yep. I, you know, I followed a boy and listen, I don't recommend my story for everybody, but it worked out really good for me. It sounds like <laughs> it. I met him when I was 15 and then I followed him to Dallas and we've been together ever Are since. Are you kidding me? I know. Wow. It's a long time. We were just fortunate. We really grew up together in the yeah. sense that we were both growing forward and still staying together, right? Yeah. Because um, you guys know relationships are no joke. Like you yeah. need to be ready to put in the work. And yeah. really, they don't get anywhere fun until about the 30s. Oh, my gosh. Which is true, right? <laughs> yeah, and I can't imagine like marrying somebody I dated at 15. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> well, no, I don't even want to think about I'm like thinking back. No, no, no. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I, I will go ahead and give you a little bit of a controversial detail. Um, he's seven years older than I am. Is he so really? it really didn't go down well with mom and dad. Oh, I bet. And oh, but, you moved here oh, for him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, but, that he was 22 at the time I met him. But in fairness to him, because you know everybody was like, what the heck was he doing? In fairness to him, he did not know how old I was, because I was portraying myself you know, as over 18. Really? Oh. Because apparently oh I was scandalous. I didn't drink or do anything like that, <laughs> uh-huh. but I was a scandalous socialite, okay? <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. But look, when you're young like that, do it. Dude, I mean, Listen, I had a good time. I've lived to tell the tale, but I listen, I do not recommend it for younger viewers, no. okay? No, 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 no. Well, and I realized that 43, I'm like, man, I am a blooming idiot. Like, you realize how dumb you really are when you're in your late 30s and 40s, <laughs> and then you're like, how in the in the world of my 20s did I think right. that I knew it all? Because you just didn't possess a fully formed brain. Yeah. True story. Neuroscience backs that up. Yeah. And we just don't think about that Mm-mm. because we're just so overconfident in a lot of ways, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't miss – the only thing I really miss about my 20s – is my twenty-year-old body the body? Everybody oh. says that. Listen, yes. I and the energy, loved it. Uh, energy. The energy. I long for oh it, but I gosh. never. I would never give up the wisdom no. and mm-hmm. the lived experience, experience I have now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you're doing so many good things, uh, Nicole, for sure. But you know your path to get here and in your passion. I mean, I I love it. And so you came back here. You got a few jobs. You started. Uh, here you came here eleven years ago mm-hmm. at Fowler mm-hmm. uh, as the CFO. CFO. A couple now, years later, I became the CFO slash COO. So, how did you? Okay, because being a CFO for a nonprofit, I know a little bit about it because my wife works in nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. It's not really that easy. It is complicated, and I also had had no experience in. HUD programs, right? And that was a big learning curve when you're working with any government agency. It's a learning curve. Um, And Fowler was in a situation where they were really having to face the future and the realities of needing to kind of turn the ship around. And, you know, it is a business, whether it's a not-for-profit or not, it's always a business. And there have to be those fundamental principles. And so I always say I was the right CFO for Fowler at the time because I'm really good at turning around. I'm really good at at bringing people together and say, listen, this is where we're going to go. And it seems scary. We don't know how we're going to get there, but I promise you we are. And we're just going to take it one step at a time. It's much like the messaging I found myself giving during the pandemic. But I was the CFO Fowler needed then, and we turned around and we started getting momentum. And we had a collective group of people that were all equally passionate. It's Mm -hmm. like we 
bled blue and green, which are the Fowler colors, right? You know, we call ourselves the Fowler family and we really kind of have that energy. And and that's really what has always sustained Fowler. And, and we turned it around and, and then, you know, the, Sabrina and the board asked me to take over as the chief operating officer because we're still trying to, you know, keep our overhead really low. So we had that duality, which is difficult because we have so many different service lines. It's not like we're just doing one business. Sure. You know, we're doing like about six different businesses that have different regulatory environments, different reimbursement Gosh. environments. Uh. And that gets maddening because you yeah. think you're not good at any of them. It's uh-huh. kind of like that adage of your jack at all trades, master of none. Yeah. You you can go home at the end of the day feeling like that. And then but you just keep moving forward. That's the only way I know. But you have keep real moving people. forward. But you, th- this each each um each sector of the business, I'm going to call the sector, mm-hmm. has real people involved. Yes. At the end. It's not like you're just moving statistics. And right. Certain, yeah. Certain exactly right. Completely different. So yeah. think about that as a layer of additional pressure that's oh, yeah. compounded on your shoulders. Yeah. You've got to do it for these people. Living and they're looking here. at you yeah. in the face. It, right. Because uh-huh. you're you not in a to, corporate office. You're there on campus with them. Right. right. And you can, and for a for-profit or most of them, you can cut and make everything efficient or, or do whatever and mm-hmm. not really think about the the human element that's mm-hmm. involved maybe on the end. Yeah. Like there probably is some of that, like you lose culture or morale or whatever, mm-hmm. but you're talking about lives. We're talking about lives. Like mm-hmm. if you make a cut or try to find an efficiency for something, that may not be the best thing for the people that are actually being serviced, the, the no. people that live there. Because we're in the people business. Oh we're we're people yeah. taking care of people. Yeah, I don't know. You, you don't do make it. a business like Fowler work unless you have deep connections, and you can't make that work without the team. And and our team is, you know, I'll put them up against any team in the business. Yeah. That doesn't mean we're perfect. We get up and we do our best every day, and sometimes our best it's not good enough, and we make mistakes. But here's what you can always count on at Fowler. We're going to take ownership for that, and we're going to be like, what did we learn from this? Mm. How are we going to make it better going forward? Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of spirit fosters this just kind of can-do attitude at Fowler yeah. um, because our residents believe in us, our families believe in us, we believe in us, but you, you just don't make it work without those relationships. So you can't come at it from for-profit businesses where I've been at where you can just casually – you know, cut off service lines sure. or cut people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it doesn't happen because it does. And we've transitioned right. service lines at Fowler since I've been there. But you have to do it from the framework, as you said. How is this going to impact the resident's yeah. life, but also the teammate's life? Wow. Yeah. And that's a lot of responsibility, you know, to, mm-hmm. to hold in your hands on top of just the mechanics of how you get the business done. Yeah, because at the end of the day, an Excel spreadsheet, it's, it's numbers, right? Right. And so sometimes when you look at the numbers, you could say this cut makes sense on paper, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense in reality. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. you guys fix too I, many people. I commend you for that, Nicole. Seriously, I don't think people appreciate how hard of a job that is. I would just say, yes, they do. <laughs> I mean, I I am fortunate that I have an exceptional board. And yeah. we have an exceptional board that really wants to take care of our team and wants to make sure our mission is fulfilled. Um, and then I have an exceptional team. And those are definitely things that make it easier. But I, I probably would never be the type of person that would be detached yeah. from the emotion of what I do. Yeah, I, I, I think when you're passionate, you're just passionate on all spectrums mm-hmm. sure. right mm-hmm. the happiness of it and the despair of it right 
Right. So you guys, you accept donations because you are a nonprofit. Just to be clear, Julia yeah. Fowler Communities is a nonprofit. We are a nonprofit. So yeah. they do. Now, can you um, take the donations and put them into an avenue that you want to support? Or how does that yeah. work? So we, we call that designated or undesignated. Okay. So, you know, we accept almighty however you want to give it to us, sure. right? Because we do about $1.3 million a year. That's okay. what, And that's year over year over year we're out there raising that money for. These are the programs that folks, you know, support the most. All of our children and youth programs, so whether that's the Youth Support Center, uh, whether that's the Ebby House, those are all 100% donor funded. Um, All of our investment in the I'm Still Here philosophy, which is born out of our dementia neighborhood, but now is becoming the template for our philosophy of care for the whole campus. Uh, That's supported through donor funding, things like music and memory, our art program um, that's just designed to connect with people, especially those who are living with cognitive illnesses such as Alzheimer's and need other avenues to connect to the world Mm. um, because they don't have some of those same capacities because that disease maybe has robbed them of that. Um, We have a program called Friends Help Helping Friends, which is helping our older adults who are food insecure. So we run an affordable program that's called, that's partnered with HUD, mm-hmm. and you have to income qualify, and this is for the lowest income, you know, very low poverty level. We've got homeless up to very low poverty, and oftentimes they can qualify, and they, they have to put in 30% of their income. That's what their rent is. That's kind of how the program is structured. But think about this, that 30% might be all they have. And then what are they going to do for groceries? What are they going to do for medicine? All those other things. So we have the Friends Helping Friends, which was actually a suggestion brought to us by some of our residents who said, I see some of my neighbors struggling and can we start this? And then you help us spread the word and invite other people to come along and add donations. But yeah, that's the beauty again of Fowler because if you live there, you care about people. Wow. Yeah. Right? That's what's, and I'm not saying other people in other communities don't care, but you probably have been that civic minded, focused, service mm-hmm. focused your whole life. And so you're paying attention to what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have a spiritual life program that's funded through our donations. And so we have a faith based affiliation, but I want people to think of spiritual life in the sense of a bigger conversation other than just the theology of God or no God. People have souls or spirits, right? Part of healing, part of connection, and part of thriving is addressing that need. Yeah, fulfilling that. Like, I could give you a level of care that fits your physical needs. So like if you had trouble walking or bathing, you might Mm -hmm. come to our assisted living, right? Right. But that's only one aspect of your care. How we nurture and speak to your spirit, meeting you where you are. And spirit is so many things to so many people. A lot of it can be derived in nature. A lot of people find spiritual connection in nature. So our property helps us. But our spiritual life program and our director of spiritual life really helps facilitate that programming for all people across that spectrum, Hmm. all the way up to, you know, mainline Christian, you know, religions where we're having Bible study. But it could be completely other conversations because at Fowler, we always say, we love people and we love all people. Yeah. Right? We want it to be a place where people feel welcomed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have debates there. We talk about differences in theology, differences in orientation, differences in belief systems. I think that's part of a healthy 
or culture and community. Yeah. yeah. The the word community to me it just you guys are seriously you're living it. You're not just saying it because mm-hmm. everyone has like a mission statement or this vision or whatever, mm-hmm. but few actually take action every single day to live it out. To what are you get what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, and I see it all the time, just being in communications. Yeah. It's like, oh, I love your mission statement. So, so where's your action statement? Right. Yeah. Like, what are you yeah. doing? In old performance evaluation speak from the 90s, we would say, as evidenced by. Yes. Like, how did you do a good job as evidenced by? And yeah. I still kind of say that at Fowler, but we are, yeah. love people, pursue excellence, make a difference. Those are our values. And yeah. and I want someone to see that reflected in anybody they touch or they experience at Fowler. Wow. I love that because it's simple and you can remember it, but it's also, I call it coffee beans Mm -hmm. because um, it's your filtering of how you make all decisions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is the decision you make making right now, Camille, is it loving people? Right. Are are you pursuing excellence? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And are you making a difference or making an impact? Yeah. Right. Like, is this decision, is it covering those coffee beans? Yeah. And if it is, you're probably going to be fine at Fowler, even if you make a mistake. (laughs) Yes. Right? Because Mm -hmm. if if you could say yes to all of that, you did your best. Yeah, that's right. You might not have had as much information as you needed, and you might be more informed, and you're going to make a decision going forward so that maybe there was a little bit of a bump or a failure, but that's okay. You know, community, healthy communities, when I talk about debate and conflict and all that kind of stuff, they're messy. Yeah. They they are not perfect. We yeah. are not in the pursuit of perfection. Right. We are in the pursuit of excellence. Yeah. We're in the pursuit of striving, right. right? And making an impact. But but things are messy and you just have to ask people. It's a good litmus test as you said. Right. Yeah. I love I mean systems created by humans are imperfect because humans are imperfect. So yeah. there will be mistakes and for you yeah. guys to recognize that and that to build that into your culture and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, that's okay as long as you can meet these sim- very simple, these core values right here. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm on their website right now, Camille, and it says our vision, we envision a life of fulfillment mm-hmm. for all generations. You're living that. Mm-hmm, uh, you can mm-hmm. see your, the mission statement right here, you. you know, and you have the word dignity mm-hmm. to provide the dignity of choice. So important. Yes. Think about it. Huge. Um, if you've ever cared for a child under the age of 18, you mm-hmm. made pretty much all their decisions. Yeah. What I have seen in my going on 24th year in careers with our older adults, sometimes their adult children will come in and make all their choices, Yeah. but they're adults Yeah. Mm-hmm. and they have a reaction to that, right? Yeah. And there's a balance. Um, and you always want to try to frame the choice, the conversation, the action from the dignity of the person, even when it's adverse. This That's my philosophy. Even if I say, hey... This is not the right place for you to live, or it's not the right place for you to work. It has to still be with dignity to that person, yeah. loving that person, even yeah. if I'm going to love them somewhere else. Does right. that make sense? That makes yeah. perfect sense. Because behaviors can be bad, things yeah. cannot be a fit, but it doesn't make the person no. bad. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right, and you look at everybody like that and everything. We try. I mean, yeah, that's what we're striving to. Again, we're not perfect, and you know, <laughs> I've made mistakes today. I will make mistakes tomorrow. But uh, to me, 
the brokenness and the imperfections, that's where real connection is made. That's where real community is built. Wow. When you create the space for that. Yeah. Nicole, thank you. You're welcome. I mean, it's, uh, listen, I've always loved the Juliet Fowler community. And, (laughs) and, you know, I just think it's such an important to get the word out about how much you all do. I think if you run a dang service business, you should go in there and check them out and go walk through the <laughs> place and go talk to somebody. Everybody come down and see us. Yeah. Yeah. We, we always love visitors. Uh, amazing. I mean, thank you for what you, you're doing here in East Allison in our community and yeah. what you're doing for Judith Fowler and the, and the people that live there. I mean, I, I'm just um I'm It's really amazed. my privilege. I mean, I just love it. it. It's amazing. There are days that I don't. If I'm, being <laughs> I'm sure, right, right, right. because I feel like I'm failing or something. But yeah. I really, um, I think it's why when I got here to this industry on accident and why I've stayed 24 years, there's nothing like looking in the faces of people who are like, "We're so glad you're here." Wow. Thank you for you know being here to take care of us. Thank you for all you're doing. I mean, the adoration that they pour into you, it's like having you know 400 grandparents. Wow. And yeah. then that problem that you were dealing with at 1030 earlier just went away. It seems insignificant, <laughs> right? Because you hear something, life story that they've been through, and you're just like, okay, yeah, well, this yeah. is nothing. Yeah. I was Never kind mind. of sounding like a little whiny person, but yeah, yeah, you get over it pretty yeah. quick. It's, yeah. They're good at perspective. We'll yeah. deal with that tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Push that aside. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you again for do- doing the show and for, for uh, sharing your, your, your history, the you know, what you guys do and why you do it, which I think is even more important than what you do because yeah. it's, you know, why you do affects everybody. Yeah, hundred percent. And so we have to stress that people can donate money or, or their time. You all yeah. have so yeah. many volunteers that help you at Julia Fowler communities, yep. right? Yeah. So, Laura Porting, she's our volunteer coordinator. She's such a good connector in getting you connected with the thing that you have interest in and then the thing that we need. Yep. And then you can find all the information at FowlerCommunities.org. If you'd like to support us financially, we love that too. Yeah. And you even have an Ebby House wish, wish list, which I think is cool. And, yes. You know, and, and it's like, it's down to you know things like laundry detergent. Like Yeah, it's simple if, things. If you think about like the like uh, things that people need every day in mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. just to live their lives, right? Yeah. It's the very, very basic stuff. It's razors, it's toothpaste, it's toothbrushes, it's umbrellas, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. So you can go directly to their website and, and give yeah. something as small as that. It doesn't, you know? even, it doesn't right. matter. I mean, everything adds up. I mean, we have more like $25, you know, a month donations that people just commit to and it comes together and it creates outcomes. Yeah. Every dollar that someone gives to, to Fowler, 100% of that is going to be put into programming. Amazing. None of that's going to be used for overhead. And Are so, you kidding me? No. That's huge. Okay, wait a minute. Say that one more time for the people in the back. A hundred percent of every dollar you donate to Fowler is going to go directly to programming. So that million three is going to go directly into programming and impact residents, whether they're young or whether they're older. Unbelievable. Yeah. Truly. I'm going to do a painting for them, a Dallas painting for them. I think I even have a piece. Okay, you heard it here in East Dallas. I'll do it. You you know, and we can auction it off. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I do that for... um, the Crohn's and Clitus. Um, yeah, Crohn's and Clitus Foundation. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. that. They usually go for pretty good, too. What yeah. an offer. Thank you. 
I accept. (laughs) She has accepted. Well, hey, I want to have you back on the show for sure. I mean, I really, really, really do. Because, I mean, I think there's so many things that I would love to talk to you about. Just, okay, a woman in leadership. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. Uh, I would love to talk to you about that because I got some good stories. Yeah. And and, and, and so before we were recording, she was kind of giving us her history a little bit and, and how she actually um, got here. So I want to definitely talk about that a little bit. So if, if, we could do that. That would be. I'd fantastic. love. I'd be happy to come anytime you invite me. I'll be here. Yeah. That is awesome. Yeah. 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 All right, man. I could talk to her forever. You guys There's have so been great. much to talk about with Juliet Power Communities. Seriously, that's why people yeah. really need to go to the website yep. and see what all you offer, how you can give, yep. how you impact uh, the community and, and the history. Followcommunities.org. Yeah. yeah. And check out our latest newest building. The Peak. For seniors, 62 and older, moderate incomes, The Peak, closing the gap in the mid-market. Wow. Yeah. It's it's very nice. I, I checked it out. Yeah. Thank you. We're yeah. very proud of it. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard lately, but it is expensive just to do anything. So, you uh, know. Yeah. Listen, in this city, the gentrification, good and bad, right? Yeah. It's yeah. good. When you think about businesses and sure. who moves in, and it's bad when you think about property taxes, but it's bad for people who are on fixed incomes. Yeah. And the people who help yes. build this community mm-hmm. that have retired that are on fixed incomes, That's right. they want to stay here. Yeah, right. And I just talked to, to a, a potential resident at the peak who came to apply for us, and she has lived in an apartment building for six months and had the rent raised twice, oh. double-digit rent increases. Oh, my gosh. What? Yes. And so it's really pushing out some of our workforce and some mm-hmm. of our retired citizens of this community because they can't afford to live here. And so the peak was really Fowler's solution to that. Wow. Um, and we did that in partnership with the tax credit program so it, we can control the rents and keep them sustainable for people on a fixed income. So I want to see us be able to do more of that in the future. And I want to see our city keep you know being committed to that, unfortunately. Yeah. They were. Yeah. I want to see That's you guys good. build another building and do this again somewhere else. <laughs> right. Keep going with it. Man. Wow. Yeah. Just copy it in other cities. Yeah. Camille, they got it. they have to be as fun it. as East Dallas. They so, do. Yeah. And, and they have to have the people that are committed. Exactly. Right. Exactly. I mean, East Dallas you does. We could, we could run that thing. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Don't show me the, <laughs> come on, just listen. don't show me an Excel spreadsheet. That's all. Yeah. That's don't all. show yeah. me one either. That's why I have a new CFO now. I say, I don't know anything about numbers. <laughs> That's someone you. else's job. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Nicole. Well, thanks again um, for coming on the show and sharing Thank the story you and yes. your story. You guys are great. And why you do what you do. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right, Camille. That's all I got. What in East Dallas is going on? I don't know. Stick around. We'll find out. See you guys next week. <laughs> I love it.